The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I want to tell you over an incredible story that I heard from none other than Maran Chachamovadi Yosef, Zechet Sadik Lebracha. When Chamovadi told you a story, it was animated. Chamovadi learned Yomam Valayla, every moment, every breath he had was dedicated to learning. So if he broke for a moment to tell you a story, it's because he cherished that story. And when he told you over the story, he did it so animated. He put such emotion into the story. On the drama portions of the story, he actually cried. It's something to hear how a gadol tells over a story. Gentlemen, open your hearts. Tonight I want to tell you a story that was told by none other than Chacham Ovadi Yosef, Zechet Sadik Lebracha. So there was a great rabbi. He lived, I would say, a few hundred years ago. He was one of the great rabbis of his generation. And one evening, he wanted to know who will sit next to him in Olam Haba. If you think of this for a moment, he gave his life away for Torah. He gave his life away for learning. He sat in Yeshiva Yomam Valayla. He lived with Pat Vamelach. He literally lived on bread and water, sacrificing all the luxuries of the world just to become the Torah giant that he became. And he wanted to know who else in his generation was holding where he was holding. Who else in his generation? will sit next to him, will be his neighbor in the world to come. So that night he did a Tanit Chalom. That night he fasted. And that night he asked heaven this question through Tanit Chalom. He asked She'elat Chalom. And he was asking Shamayim to open up his eyes to know who's going to be his neighbor in the next world. Is there someone in this world that's holding where I'm holding that will sit next to me in the world to come? He did Shailat Chalom after fasting, after praying, after crying out. And that night he had a dream. And in Shamayim, they were Megalet to him that yes, there is one man who's holding as great as he in this generation, and he's going to be your neighbor in the world to come in Olam Haba. Who is it? They were Megalet to him that it's the Katsav, the butcher. He's going to be next to you in the world to come. The next morning, the rabbi wakes up and he's depressed. He's broken, actually. He's so down. He says to himself, I, I don't understand. I gave my life. I sat and learned, Yo, Mom Valayla. I threw it and gave away all the luxuries of this world. To find out what? That finally in Olam Haba, in the world to come, the man that's going to be sitting next to me is a simpleton? All that sacrifice, all that work to get to a place where a simple Jew sits? This is the one that's going to be sitting next to me in Olam Haba? The rabbi was broken. A whole lifetime of sacrifice and work, and where did he get him? On the same bench as a regular Jew? Where's the upgrade? <laughs> the 
But he said to himself, you know what, maybe. Maybe there's something special about this butcher that I don't know about. Maybe really, maybe he's one of these hidden tzaddikim, who knows? Maybe there's something really unique about him that I don't know about. Maybe he's somebody special. So he figured to himself he's going to go out to investigate. So he goes out to the butcher. And he comes into the butcher shop. And the man is sitting there in his, in his white butcher smock. Filled with all types of residue of meat and blood. And he turns. The rabbi turns to the butcher. And he says to him, tell me please. Mama secha. What do you do? And the butcher looks at the rabbi. What do I do? I'm a butcher. Come on, rabbi. <laughs> You're in my shop. He said, no, that's not what I meant. I want to know, what are the special things that you do? I know there's something very special about you. And please, I'm asking you, don't hold out. You don't know how depressed I am. How broken I am because of you. The butcher looks at the rabbi because of me. What did I do? He says, listen. I'm asking you, tell me the secret. What's the special things that you do? The butcher's thinking, I don't know. He said, Rabbi, I, I make, I make 5,000 shekel a month. And from that 5,000 shekel, I give half of my money away to tzedakah every single month. The rabbi says, very nice. But ah, that's not it. <laughs> I know plenty of people like you. That can't be it. Tell me the real goods. Tell me the real truth. Open up to me. What's the special, special things that you do or you did in your lifetime? Now, guys, I'm going to pause for a moment for station identification. Did you just hear that part of the story? Here's a guy who gave half his money away to Maser to tzedakah, to aniim, to almanot, to yitomim, every single month. And the rabbi kind of just batted that away like, ah, I know plenty of people like you. Wow. What happened to Klal Yisrael? <laughs> this was a simple Jew in those years. It was like a common thing. It was like a norm. Like the average normal Jew. They used to take half their tzedakah, 10%. Oh, Chomesh. Wow. 20%. No, no, no. That was just the required minimums in those years. These people were so great that they wanted to be a shutaf with Hashem. We're partners. 50-50. God, whatever you give me, we go. Hetzi, hetzi. Look at what a Jew was. A simple commoner of once upon a time. Unbelievable. To the extent that when the butcher told the rabbi that maybe that's what he was digging for, the rabbi said, ah, I know plenty like you. I mean, it was like a common thing in those years. Okay, back to our story. So the rabbi says, come on, please. Please, open up to me. I won't say anything to anybody. But there's a good reason why I'm asking you this. Please tell me what special things have you done in your lifetime and I'll make you a deal if you tell me I'll tell you the reason why I'm here and what Shemaim has to say about you but you got to tell me the truth 
the butcher's thinking, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm a regular guy, rabbi. Suddenly it hits him. He says, you know, maybe 30 years ago, says the butcher. I looked out my window and I saw walking right by on the street, there was a band of Arabs. And they were walking with people all huddled together in shackles. And they were handcuffed together as captives. As I took a better look, I realized that these Arabs were pirates. In those years, it was very common that the pirates at high sea, they would attack other ships. They would take over the ship. They would loot and rob all the money of the ship. And then they would take some people captive and they would hold them for ransom. They would ask for exuberant amount of money and they would make an incredible amount of money ransoming these people back to their families. So these Arabs were pirates. These pirates just came back from looting a few ships at sea and these were the captives of who they took back with them to ransom for money. And amongst them was a young girl. Says the butcher, I saw that this young girl was crying profusely. I ran out of my store. I ran up to the girl. BT, why are you crying? And she looks at me and says, why am I crying? I'm a Jewish girl. My father was a great rabbi. My mother was at Sadeket. We were at sea. We were ransacked by these pirates. They took everything we owned. But then they took me as well and captive. Why am I crying? These are Shaim. Who knows what they're going to do to me? I'm a Jewish girl. I'm only 12, 13 years old. What are they going to do to me? The butcher says to the rabbi, I was so broken by the crying of this girl, a Jewish girl. I turned to the girl. I said, would you want me to be Podeyu? Would you want me to go and redeem you? She says, if you would redeem me, I would bless you with all the blessings of my heart. I'm begging you, save me. He says, when I heard that, I ran back. I found out who the head Arab is, the head pirate. And I asked him, tell me, that girl over there, how much you want for her? Now he looks at me, knows the girl is Jewish. He sees my yarmulke. He knows I'm Jewish. He smiles. <laughs> He's going to make a killing now. And he knows it. He asks me for an exuberant amount of money. A ridiculous fortune of money for this young girl. I didn't have that money, Rabbi. So I start to haggle. I start to negotiate. We negotiate well. But no matter how much I negotiated, he knew that he had the upper hand. The girl was in chains. A Jewish girl. He knew I was going to let this one go. He wouldn't go down a cent, not a nickel. He stuck to his ridiculous fortune of money. I had no choice. I had no choice. I went back, closed my store, and spent the day going around to all my neighbors and the whole town. And I borrowed this enormous amount of money from everyone that would give me anything. And I came back to the pirate, the Arab. And I gave him the fortune of money and I got the girl. I brought her home to my house. I brought her up. I clothed her. I fed her. I was like a father to her. I sent her to school to Bet Yaakov. She was like a daughter in my home. Until she was 18. And at the age of 18, I turned to my son. Now the butcher had only one son. 
I turned to my son, a young Dardiki de Rabbanan, a future Ben Torah, a future Talmud Chacham. I turned to my son, I said, listen, my son, you're my only son. I love you. I would never stare you wrong. You're my world. But listen to me. This girl that we brought up in the house, she's the daughter of Talmidei Chachamim. Her mother was Tzanua. Look at her. Her midot, her midot are incredible. The girl's Tzanua. She's something special. We watched her grow in our own home. If you'd listen to me, my son, and I would never stare you wrong, this is the girl that I would like you to marry. My son turned to me and said, Abba, if this is what you want, I know you would never do anything for me, it's not my best, that I will marry this girl. She is something special, I will marry her. The announcement was made, the whole city was going wild. What a magnificent shiduch. A girl that he was poded, that he saved her life. And now he's giving her his only son. Said the butcher to the rabbi, the date was set. And I set up this magnificent wedding in the town square, in the city center. And I set up these magnificent tables. And says the butcher, I was the father of the chatan. And I was the father of the kala. <laughs> I was both sides. I was making the wedding lock, stock, and barrel. Think about that for a minute. Okay, breathe. Let's keep going. I was making the wedding. I set up the tables in the city center. I invited the whole town. All the rabbis. Everybody showed up. As a butcher, I put out the finest meats on all the tables. The smorgasbord was, was, was magnificent. And there I put out delicacies and wines. And everyone showed up before the chuppah. And they were already sitting by the tables. And everyone was misameach on this great moment of my only son's wedding to my stepdaughter. Such a simcha in the town. I was walking from table to table and everyone was giving l'chaim. And it was such a great feeling to see everyone be misameach in our simcha. All except for one table. There was one table where the rabbis were sitting. That no one was eating. No one would even drink. And they all looked so sad. And I'm thinking, what happened? I run up to the table, I say, rabbis is maybe the food not good enough. Do you want me to bring you a better cut of meats? Better wine? A better bottle? Why aren't you be misameach? This is my only son's wedding. And they turned to me and they said, no, no. This is the most magnificent wedding this town has seen. But how could we be misameach? There is an ani sitting here on this table, a poor man, and he's crying his heart out. And no matter what we say to him, and no matter what we do, and he wouldn't stop crying. How could you enjoy anything if someone sitting up on your shoulder is crying his heart out? We just can't be misameach as long as he's crying. So the butcher says to the rabbi, I turned to the Ani and I said, Please tell me why are you crying? You're ruining my only son's wedding, please. What, what's the matter? I'll bring you anything you want. Stop crying. But no matter what I said, he wouldn't stop crying. Till finally I realized... I took the Ani off the table and brought him to the side. And quietly, I put my arm around him. I said, tell me, why are you crying? I'll give you anything you want. Just stop crying. You're ruining my son's wedding, please. And the Ani looks at me and says, you really want to know? I said, yeah, I want to know. 
This is okay. You see that girl? The color? I was engaged to her before she was kidnapped and before she was taken away. And she promised me, as I promised her, that we will not marry any other. And now I understand. I know there's nothing I could say to you. You, the butcher of this town, I heard later on what happened. After my kala went off on a ship with her family, they went to visit a different country of family and friends, and they were ransacked by the pirates. She was taken away. I thought I'd never see her again. And then later on I find out that she was taken to some far-fetched city, and some wonderful butcher comes along and redeemed her for an enormous amount of money, took her into his home as his own daughter, brought her up, and even gave her his own son. How can I say anything to you? I can't say anything to you. But at the same time, is it right? She was engaged to me. We promised each other. Is it fair? The butcher looks at the Ani. And he says, how do I know this is true? The Ani says, go ask her. He tells him his name. The butcher goes up to the Kala and quietly asks her on the side. Tell me, my daughter, were you once engaged before to someone else? Her eyes drop. She says, yeah, I was. Did you promise not to marry any other? She said, yes. But then after that, I was kidnapped, taken away, never to think I'd ever see him again. He's on the other side of the world. I thought, I, and, and, and how could I not show you my hakaratatov when you asked me to marry your son? You saved my life. If not for you, I would have been nowhere. So I thought it was all null and void. I'd never see him again. The butcher said, Is his name so and so? She said, Yes. Could you point him out in the crowd, standing over there amongst the men? She walks over and she points him out. That's him. Butcher says, Rabbi, I walked up to my son, the Chatan. Biyom Chatunato, Ubiyom Simhat Libo. Ah, ay, ay, ay. And I said to my son, My son, you're my only son. You know how much I love you. And you know how much I would never do anything only to guide you in what I think is best for you. But please tell me, my son, would you be comfortable marrying a girl who was engaged to someone else and promised never to marry anyone else? The Chatan looks at his father. He says, no, of course not. He says, my son, we had no idea. We didn't know. We only found out now. At the time, she was kidnapped right after she was engaged. Brought to our city. We were podehar. We ransomed her and redeemed her. Brought her to the house, not knowing anything. Bringing up this year, all these years as our own daughter. We had no idea. But now, the one she's engaged to just walked into town. On the day of the wedding, Shamayim is showing us 
that she is not for you. My son, if you listen to me, I wouldn't guide you wrong. Take off your big day chuppah and give it to him. He says, my son started to cry. And he said, Abba, if this is what you tell me to do, I trust you. I took off the big day chuppah of my son. I went up to the Ani and I dressed him in the big day chuppah of my son. Biyom chatunato, ubiyom simchat libo. And I sent my son home. And that night, the wedding went on. And I walked this Ani down the aisle as if he was my own son. And I walked the Kala down as if she was my own daughter. And later on that night, by the Seuda of the Khatuna, I danced with them and I danced in front of them as it was my own son and my own daughter. And after the Shevrachot, I got them a home and I bought them all types of furniture and I made sure that he wasn't a poor man anymore and gave them a life and started them a home. And they started a home together with children. And shortly after that, only a few months, a beautiful family comes forward of Talmidei Chachamim and their daughter is set for my son. And my son meets her and realizes this is the one. And shortly after that they get married. And I make another wedding in the town square. And I walked my son down and danced with him and guided him a house with his rihitim with his furniture and started his life. And I realized that Hashem runs the world. The rabbi looked at the butcher in the eye and the rabbi begins to cry. He kisses the butcher on the head and he says to him, now I'm going to tell you why I came begging you and I realized that it's not you that's lucky, but it's me that's lucky. Shamayim was megalit to me that I'm going to be sitting next to you in Olam Haba. So I had to understand who you are. How could it be? A regular butcher, a simple Jew. I spent my whole life from the Gedolim of Aklali Israel, But now it's an honor. It's a privilege to sit next to someone like you in Olam Abba. Now I'm thinking, am I Ra'oi to actually sit next to someone like you? It's at this point Chavovadia used to scream, Al tistakel bakankan ela biyash bimashiyeshba. Stop judging people. Stop being so judgmental. Right away we take two glances at a person. We already size them up and cut them down. 
Oh, he's a nobody. Well, look at him. Look at the way he's dressed. He's not from us. He's different. His last name is this. He comes from this town. His minhagim is this. They eat rice on Pesach. They're half up. He cursed him. Do you have any idea who this person might be? One day you might be sitting next to them in Olam Abba. One day you might be looking up to them in Olam Abba.